Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is The Solo Collective, and I'm Rebecca Seal. Right, everyone, prepare to be pumped up, (laughs) which isn't a phrase I would have associated with myself, but there we go. Here we are. (laughs) My guest this week is Adrienne Herbert, who is an author and podcaster and has written the book The Power Hour, which is also the name of her podcast. And if you haven't come across her before, then let's explain what the Power Hour is. It's about taking the first hour of every day or as many days in the week as you possibly can for yourself, completely for yourself. Now that means for her, she gets up really early in the morning and has an hour to herself doing um, yoga or running or Pilates. And I'm kind of fascinated by the power, I guess, of her idea because I am far from a morning person, so far from a morning person. I am the night owliest person you can imagine. And yet she has got me thinking about how I start my day and about getting up earlier, about setting an alarm for before my children wake up, which I would never, ever have thought I would say. And this conversation is is fascinating because she's she's very she's very persuasive she's fantastically persuasive and she's incredibly energizing but also I wanted to talk to her for this particular episode because I wanted to talk about resilience I feel like I'm on the fringes of understanding the connection between strength and recovery and resilience but she really gets it and I think that there are huge lessons that all of us as solo workers can take from people who know about how to recover So we talk about a lot of things. We talk about the way in which the beginning of her life was quite difficult and the way in which the challenges that we go through outside of our working lives sort of shape us, but also make us stronger and better able to kind of withstand the shocks and difficulties that come along when we are at work. So I think it's a really powerful conversation and I defy you not to feel energized and sort of pumped by it by the end. I think that you will find it really uplifting. So when I read your book, one of the things that I thought, and one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you for this particular episode in which we're thinking about resilience, is that it struck me that an awful lot of what you were saying was about resilience. It was about making yourself resilient, basically, because all of the stuff you, you're you doing, like you say, whether you do it as a power hour in and of itself or whether you do it as a kind of um, a mindset shift in terms of pulling out some stuff that you need first, was about building resilience. And I wondered if we could talk a bit about what you think resilience actually is, because I think quite often people think resilience is like standing in the middle of a rainstorm and gritting your teeth and just getting through it and sort of grinning and bearing it almost. And I don't personally think that that actually is what resilience is. I think resilience is much more nuanced and has a lot more to do actually with what goes on around the thing that you're experiencing, the hard thing. And I just thought because of all the stuff that you do with fitness and sport, I think there's a huge amount that maybe 
people not so much in the fitness and sport world can learn about training and recovery and endurance and strength and all that kind of stuff and and we can we can make that more broadly applicable so yeah so for you what's what does resilience look like because you strike me as really resilient like with all the things that you do <laughs> right well yeah it's really interesting when you describe that you know that kind of feeling of just standing in suffering because yeah. you're right I do think sometimes resilience we may we might think of that and maybe myself included you know I definitely think that I have cultivated resilience due to necessity, actually, in my life, you know? And so I think that's also the reality is that if you are experiencing something that is difficult, sometimes, you know, people say, like, they don't have a choice. They'll say in the toughest thing they ever experienced, people go, how did you get through that? And they go, well, didn't really have a choice. You know, it wasn't, I didn't stand there going, oh, I'm so courageous and I'm so, you know, I have this strong mindset and I'm resilient. But I think in retrospect, you can look back and go, you know what, I endured that, even though it was difficult. It doesn't mean I found it easy. It doesn't mean that I didn't, suffer or that I wasn't in pain or didn't suffer emotionally or I didn't cry or I didn't be honest about feeling like this is shit this is hard I don't want this this is awful but then you reflect and you go but you somehow some way somehow you manage to keep going you manage to keep you know an optimistic outlook you manage to remain grateful for what you do have and I think so much of it actually when it comes to well everything but specifically resilience is a mindset and a perspective for me that's what it's always been you know so for context you know I'm talking about resilience but I grew up in a single parent household you know my mum with four kids no money you know my dad was kind of here and there a little bit when I was younger but he was a very a uh, very negative influence on on my mom and on, on myself, my siblings. So I think as an older sibling, I definitely had to, yeah, I guess, again, cultivate resilience at a young age. You know, I had to help. I had to look after my brother and sister sometimes. I had to walk myself home from school. I had to cook. I had to learn to do things and just roll up my sleeves and get on with it. There was no point going, well, it's not fair. Well, I don't want to do it. Or why do I have to do that? You know, my friends don't have to do that. Or why can't I have this? Or it just was as I say, necessity. And then I think I definitely felt this sense of responsibility. You know, I didn't have any entitlement of like, well, I should, I have this. It was just like, actually, if I want this, how am I going to get it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to carve a path? What are the steps that I can take myself to make that happen for me? And I probably felt that from as young as, you know, 13, 14 of thinking, what can I do? Where can I go? Who can help me? What are the steps? And I've just always had that mindset of, I will do something. Not that I can do everything, but what's in my control? What's in my hands? What can I do? Because I also, I think the alternative of going, well, poor me, you know, look at my circumstance. I can't, it's not my fault. I can't do anything. You know, oh, I'm a woman of color or I'm a woman, even just that, you know, I'm a woman. So I'm, you know, inequality. I'm a woman of color. I, you know, didn't have this education. I didn't have, you know, didn't have, didn't have poor me. And this kind of framing of my perspective could have been very, very different. And I think if you do that, you ultimately have to make a choice. Which one do you want to choose? Because you cannot have both. What you believe to be the truth and the, you know, what's possible for yourself, what's possible for your life, that is up to you. Uh, And bringing it back to, you know, resilience. I think there's been times in my life, you know, I've been through IVF, fertility treatment, and I'm sure, you know, we can talk about that. And that is something that, again, in the moment, you know, even maybe reflecting back, there's so much of that that I think, oh my gosh, that was just so awful. But you endure it because you know that, well, for me, I was like, 
eyes on the prize. You know, if it means I can get to this, I can do this. Or, you know, when my husband was unwell, you know, that really changed my entire life. I was young. I was pregnant with our first child and he had a spontaneous brain hemorrhage and went to hospital for two weeks to a neurology ward where I sat pregnant thinking, what is happening? Why is this happening? He's a young, healthy guy. This shouldn't happen. And things happen in life. But, you know, for anyone listening, you know, I don't think anyone is exempt from adversity in their life. It might be grief. It might be heartbreak. It might be right now losing their job. We all face different challenges. And so I think really looking and going, okay, how am I perceiving what's happening in my life right now? What part do I play within it? There's always going to be things that, yes, it's not fair. It's not fair. You wouldn't choose it. It's not your fault. But as I say, if we can think about, okay, what is possible for myself and for my life? Don't let people limit your ambition, your expectations. You have to do it. And actually, I think for me, the way I probably practice resilience now in my life is that Yes, I do do difficult things. You know, I challenge myself, whether it's training for a marathon. But also I just think on a daily basis, I just have this perspective that I see the good. I look for what is going to make this situation the best that it can be. How am I going to enjoy this? What am I looking forward to? What am I grateful for? Who's supporting me? You know, there's always something, I think, that can make it, whatever the situation is, a little bit more yeah, bearable. So you can endure a little bit longer and then eventually it will end as well. This is a moment in time, but it won't be like this in a year or five or 10. I think what you say about childhood and experiences like IVF, which is a, an experience that we, we both share actually, is really critical because certainly when it comes to how we look at successful adults, there are some studies which have come out in the recent years, which have shown that certain a big, quite a big group of people who we kind of put on a pedestal now and say this is a very successful adult. They've had a very, you know, successful working life in particular. They've often had childhoods which have had quite a lot of adversity in them. And I'm sure that it's also probably true, less studied, that people with difficult kind of young adulthoods and, and difficult experiences in general. I think we can't really celebrate difficult experiences because that would be weird. But I do think that the stuff we go through that's really difficult is what ultimately builds our resilience like you can you can build it in other ways too but for me the two things which profoundly changed the way I felt about the work that I do having a joint infertility diagnosis for me and my husband and then having IVF which was you know well you know I do know I do know fun (laughs) and then ultimately getting pregnant and having and this is a weird thing to say but having a cesarean I was on weekly television for four years or so before my daughter was born and I was always frightened always nervous always really terrified until I'd had a cesarean (laughs) because actually being operated on while you're awake is scarier than anything else and it is interesting how it affects other experiences down the line which you would consider to be difficult and similarly in a much smaller way I had a job for quite a long time while I was trying to make it as a writer and as a bartender which I wasn't very brilliant at. And I quite often think back to that time when I'm doing a bit of work that I find difficult. I quite often think like, you know, woman up, you're not making (laughs) margaritas at (laughs) 1am, you know, in a bar knowing that this isn't the job. Like hospitality, I love it. It's nothing against hospitality, but it wasn't my happy place. And I quite often think back to that moment and think, you know, you're not doing the thing you don't want to do. You're doing the thing that you do want to do, even when it's hard. And I think that's really important. You know, we're particularly talking to people who work by themselves here. I think it's a really important 
difficult but important thing to remember that you have probably managed to get through really hard things before and the hard thing that you're going through now is going to be a building block for the future. I feel that quite strongly having had those experiences and actually, I mean, we're talking now in 2021, coronavirus, you know, is obviously a huge issue. I kind of wonder whether we will have a collective experience of increased resilience because Mm. of this collectively horrible experience that we've been through, that we've endured, that we've had no choice about, as you say, and we've got through or are getting through by hook or by crook. I wonder if those hard things that we'll have to do down the line, all of us will have to endure down the line. I wonder Mm. if they'll feel a little bit easier than they might have done otherwise, because we've just Mm. we've just got through something so hard. Mm. Yeah, potentially it's so yeah, so complex and interesting, actually, listening to what you said specifically about, you know, childhood. And, you know, as you said, lots of people who've, you know, the bigger the struggle, the bigger the strength, all of that. And as you said, it's not about celebrating like, oh, isn't it great? This awful <laughs> no. thing has happened to you as a child. Good for you. <laughs> but, you know, it's just the truth. But I do think, uh, yeah, once you cultivate resilience, you can definitely apply it to different areas of your life, whether that's yeah your career, whether that's rejection, whether that's just grit, actually, and just doing the thing again and again and again and not knowing the outcome. Because again, when it comes to resilience, it's all very well when you know the outcome. When someone tells you the success story, you know, I interview a lot of athletes on my podcast. And when you hear people who, you know, they won Olympic double gold, but they tell you about the years and the injuries and the training and that you know the success story at the end. Whereas I think the issue that a lot of people have is, is that they don't know the outcome. And so what I do then is kind of remind myself if I'm in a situation like that, where maybe I'm working on a project or maybe I'm pitching something, or maybe I'm just trying to get an idea, you know, to become a concept, to become a real thing. It's that it takes courage. And actually you don't know the outcome. You could put all the effort and will and put yourself out there and share your idea. And it could be rubbish and it could be criticized and it, or it could be a huge success, or it could be mediocre, which I sometimes think is potentially worse. So, you know, like, let's be honest, it's like, it takes courage. And I think accepting that, you know, all the things that you just mentioned, you know, it's often, I think, when people talk about strength or being strong or being resilient, it's, it's that you're supposed to say these things didn't phase you or they were easy or, or, you know, I went through this tough thing, so therefore I'm tough. But actually, I think there's a real power in saying it was really, really hard. Like, I felt like I couldn't do it. You know, you mentioned about a cesarean. I had a cesarean with my son after a very, very long labor. And I felt like, honestly, when people talk, and I don't want, you know, to put anyone off because everybody's labor experience is different, (laughs) but mine was really difficult. And I feel like even that, like people who would be like, oh, you know, I had this really great breathing water birth. I was like, wicked, good for you. But it doesn't mean that, you know, they're stronger than me or they could endure more than me because my birth didn't go that way. And it's the same thing with business or, you know, anything where if something is really, really hard and you find it hard and you were like, you know what, that nearly broke me. I did not think I could carry on doing that anymore. That's okay too. You know, like I say that about the marathon, people will say to me, oh, what was your first marathon experience like? And I'll say it was awful. Like the last, you know, I'd crossed the finish line and thought I'd never do that again. I remember thinking, why on earth would somebody willingly choose to do this? It's so painful. You know, obviously I, a few days later was like, oh, actually, it wasn't that bad, you know? (laughs) But I think it's just being honest about that and not just, you know, we see the, we don't often see the sweat, blood, tears and the reality. We just see the end. We just see the overnight success or the book deal or the I don't know the the medal or whatever but actually I think it's yeah really important for 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 friends for example like women who I work with whether they're solo entrepreneurs whether they are 
freelancers, creatives, whether they're venture capitalists, founders, whatever, we're really honest with one another. You know, we'll talk about stuff and be like, you know what? I was so nervous when I went in to do that. Like I literally was terrified. I had like sweat patches. I was stressed. Or I'll say like, oh, you know what? I... I felt really out of my depth and I had imposter syndrome and I had to really tell myself, excuse me, Adrienne, you can do this. You've done this before. You know exactly what you're doing. You've prepped for this. Or I'll say, oh, actually, you know, I I didn't charge enough for that. Or, you know, it's like, I'm honest with those women in my life and they're honest with me. And in turn, that empowers me because I know that other people feel it too. People who I think are, they're amazing and they're successful and, you know, I love their work. And when they say to me, oh yeah, I was terrified when that book went out or I actually pitched three ideas before that and got rejection, you realise we're all having this same experience. We're all human. We all have ebbs and flows. No one just has this kind of perfect stream of successes. And without those peaks and troughs and without those experiences, as you mentioned, Yeah, how would you, if the highs would be as high, really, without the lows? Well, yeah, but also the things just wouldn't happen. I mean, the the slog is what has to happen. And I think that's so that's so key when you say that we, you know, we don't often talk about that stuff because I feel as though particularly with social media, we kind of we just get the um the pop of the end result, whatever that might be. And people are, you know, people are getting a bit better about being honest. But I mean, I'm I know this stuff really well and I'm not immune to it. And this I hope this doesn't sound in any sense like a criticism. But I like looked at your Instagram account a few weeks ago and I was like, wow, those abs. Oh my God. I would love that. I would love those abs. And I was but I and I was like, but I'll never have those abs. Like there was, you know, but I didn't think for a second she works for that. Right. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It, mm. it wasn't my even though I know I know that all of all of what we achieve requires grit and slog and time mm. and commitment and all of that stuff, you know, but an awful lot of it is about grit. There's actually a brilliant book called Grit. I don't know if you've read it by Angela Duckworth. And and she talks about a quote, I think by Nietzsche, who says something along the lines of, you know, humans just love things to spring forth as though perfect. And we do, we love that. We love a fairy tale. Mm. We love that narrative. But actually, it doesn't speak to the truth of resilience, which is Mm -hmm. that we need to kind of understand that being resilient is about carrying on. The other thing that I did want to just bring into this is that it's the stuff around what you do. I know I mentioned that at the beginning because I also think recovery is incredibly important when it comes Mm. to resilience. And I'm not sure that we very often make the connection between those two things. And I figured that you would have some insight into this because you're much more sporty than I am. (laughs) And yeah, I do understand that the recovery is kind of the key to strength. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you could speak a bit about that and kind of make a clearer case for it than I'm capable of. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think so much of it is, yeah, it relates back to real life. And I think that's why, you know, when I talk so much about running, I always use running as this, you know, metaphor for life. But it really is because if you're exhausted and your legs are tired and you haven't had a good night's sleep and you've and then you go, right, today's the day, I'm going to run 10 miles and it's going to be my fastest 10 miles ever as if, you know, get real, it's not going to happen. You know that when you, in order for you to perform at your best, you need to do the prep work and that includes rest, that includes recovery. And I think it's the same in life. You know, if you've been working really hard um, towards a deadline and then you reach that deadline, allow some white space for recovery, allow some time for your mind to recover for your energy just to kind of be refreshed and then go to the next thing with new energy because I do think that we I'm certainly guilty of this I'm certainly not saying this as as if I'm perfect but we often look forwards 
And I live with a sense of urgency because I think it's important to make the most of time. So therefore, I don't really dwell too much on what I've done or what, you know, I'll look and be like, okay, reflect what went well, what what could have been better, assess and reflect. And then I look forwards and I look forwards, forwards, forwards. I do that with everything. So if it's the podcast, if it's the book, if it's a race, if it's a job, I will assess and reflect and I look forwards. However, if you do that all the time, especially at the pace that I work, often you're just like next thing, next thing, next yeah. thing, next thing, next thing. And you're right when you talk about resilience and, and recovery, it's like you can't continue, surely no one, to just be in one like gear six all the time forever. You have to drop it back. You have to take time off. You have to do things that you just enjoy that don't have a weight attached to them of an outcome of financial gain or I don't know just something you remember do you remember hobbies do you remember people used to have hobbies now it's like you should monetize that you should sell that you should post that you should just do something because you enjoy it you want to do it so yeah I think recovery is key not just for physical training but emotional mental recovery and that can look like any you know some people now with this whole I see these 10 lists of self-care and it's like even that sometimes it's like what I don't know how to really frame this but just saying to someone run a bath or I don't know go for a walk in nature or it's so much more than just the act like physically of saying oh I've got this one hour if it's you know if if it's possible for you block out white space or cultivate something where you actually where you kind of I think you need to communicate to others like this this time you need to again going back to time you need to ring fence it because it's no good laying in the bath and getting out of the bath and having 10 emails and two whatsapps and a missed call do you know what I mean it's still stressful because you're there with that little obligation just like in the background being like hello I'm still waiting for you when you get out of the bath so for me what I find really helps to have that recovery time is to actually block it in my diary to communicate to other people and to say to people oh by the way on Thursday the 21st of April I've booked the day off and actually I'm going to turn off my phone I won't be on email you won't be able to get a hold of me so if you need anything just letting you know because then I can actually enjoy my rest and I can actually take that time that I deserve without feeling guilty or feeling obliged to just check in case somebody needs something from me yeah it's so it's so important it's so important to do and it's so difficult to do and it I think particularly when you work by yourself whether you're for yourself or by yourself, I think it's really hard to create those frameworks from scratch for yourself. Mm. I think actually when you said then about people working by themselves, for themselves, no one's going to, if you work for yourself, by yourself, as I have for the last yeah nine years, no one's going to say to you, by the way, you haven't used your annual leave or by the way, you haven't taken, you know, it's a bank holiday. Did you know that? Do you want to not work? You know, and actually now that I, because I started, I was consulting originally for a fitness app called Fit and now I'm, and then I became, uh, you know, brand strategist and now I'm actually director there of innovation and performance. So I actually now work you know, part of my week in an organization that has those structures, that has holiday pay, that has team, you know, meetings and this and that. And it's really interesting because if you're in an office environment, there is time where people are standing and chatting. There's time when you go get a coffee. There's time when you have a meeting and you kind of look out the window and, you know, hopefully they're not thinking that's what I do in meetings. But, <laughs> you know, like it's not just, you don't just, people don't basically go into the office and do 10 hours straight of work and not look up from the laptop. It doesn't happen. But I think working from home, I think, the, you know, maybe with the pandemic, but even if you worked at home before that, it's almost like this different 
expectation actually of people like you're at home you're working you're available like reply to me do this work do this work. be on all the time and actually I think you know I saw this I saw I tweeted the other day this tweet and I'm not really that active on Twitter but I kept getting notifications like ping 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 of this tweet just getting retweeted again and again and again so it must have struck a chord with a lot of people and it basically said we are not working from home we are living at work and I was literally like that right that is the tea you are not working from home if you are if you are living and working 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 that it's it's ridiculous actually it's not sustainable it's not healthy it's not enjoyable it's not productive it's nothing there's nothing good about it there's nothing good about it I feel like the output of work and what you're actually creating cannot be your best work so yeah I mean if that if that's you and you're like yeah I actually just live at work now then what changes can you make you know is it a power hour is it white space is it turning off your phone hold down the button until the screen goes black and turn it off nothing's going to happen you can turn it back on the next day you know it's such a powerful thing when I do that now I sometimes turn off my phone on a Saturday afternoon and I just turn it on again on Sunday and I'm like whoa it just feels different because I don't check it I don't need to look at it and as you said you know if I'm going out with my son he's on his scooter and there's like a really nice tree and it's sunny I'm like Oh, I can't take a picture. My phone's turned off and it's at home. So you don't need it. You don't need to put it on the Instagram stories. You don't need to, you know, it's just, you can just actually live your life. Yeah. And that makes you more resilient when the shocks hit you, like particularly, you know, particularly work-wise ones. When things are difficult, if you've had a proper break, then you're better able to manage the difficult stuff as it comes along, I think. It, it kind of, it, it builds you up. And knowing that you have a break coming up allows you to cope with stuff. Because I know, for example, again, I talk about white space. I have white space blocked out in my diary and nothing can go in it. It's not a buffer of time to just do more stuff or catch up on missed things. It's white space. Nothing can go in there. And so if I know that's coming up and I've got loads on and I've got to go from one thing to another thing, to a meeting, to a podcast, to an interview, to writing, to picking up my son, I can just be like, it's cool. I can do this. I can be resilient. I can push on because I know that white space is coming. So I think it's definitely both. Having the time to recharge will give you, yeah, more energy to be able to kind of do whatever you want to do. But also knowing that you've got that break coming up. It's like interval training. You're like, this is the interval. This is the sprint. Yeah. And then you rest. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. So what was it like? Or is it like now for you? What does your solo working life look like? Because I'm guessing even though you're working for an organisation, you're not actually physically going into the organisation at the moment. So no. so you're kind of having the dual experience. You're having both both experiences of solo working in that you're, you're mm-hmm. working for yourself some of the time and for other people some of the time. 
how do you manage solo working? What does it look like for you? Yeah, it's a great question. And certainly it, it's evolving actually all the time. So it's not just like this perfect thing and it's that's how it is. I'm constantly looking at ways of thinking, is this the most efficient way? Is this the best way for me? Like, what could I do differently? But yes, the organization that I work for, Mondays and Tuesdays, it's busy. There's lots of meetings. There's all hands. There's one-to-one meetings. There's team meetings. There's a lot of meetings. And I feel <laughs> like for meetings sake, you know, like meetings, I think the way the best thing that we've done you know at the company uh, fit and getting the best out of people is having no meeting time actually so so instead of you're free at this time they're free at that time if everyone in your team or your organization has the same time blocked out as no meeting time then everyone can be productive everyone can do focused work and there's no interruptions of flow so having big blocks of time without you know if you can club all your meetings together in four hours instead of have a meeting there, have an hour to do some work, have another meeting, have half an hour, because you can't, you know, it's just disrupting your your flow all the time. So yeah, kind of batching things together. And then I'd say the individual stuff. So yeah, the work that I do on my podcast, on brand partnerships, on the book, that's definitely, again, it's kind of, in some ways you have to be flexible, right? Because other people's schedules, when are they available? You know, things can kind of come in late at night, a request for a radio thing, it's tomorrow morning. You have to be flexible. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm quite flexible. I can kind of change. If something changes, I'm not like, oh my goodness, it's set in stone. I'm like, okay, cool, let's flex, let's make it work. So I think being flexible, allowing yourself to know that there will never be a day, not in my life anyway, when you tick everything off your to-do list and there is no more work to be done. (laughs) That day does not exist. So instead of trying to race to do the to-do list, I will look at my agenda, diary, whatever for the day. And I just think, what are the three things I absolutely have to do today that cannot be put off till tomorrow? Or, you know, as long as those three things are done, everything else, it's like, great, do your best, do your best. But actually, yeah, it's not, it's like I say, it's not perfect. And actually just to just to reiterate that I have had whilst homeschooling, I've had events, talks, panel discussions, you know, I do motivational talks and I'm sitting on my screen in my office, you know, with a nice outfit on and I'm presenting and then literally under the door, I'm getting notes slid under the door on a piece of paper saying, can I have a snack? Can I watch TV? I finished reading my book. Mummy, look at this. Mummy, look at this. And I'm literally presenting to the employees of Apple about how to optimize your energy whilst you're working from home. And I'm like, Jude, this is really important. Please, can you wait until the meeting's over? But you just have to be honest. It's not perfect. And I'm always looking for ways to kind of just make it a little bit better. But going back again to the power hour, I ultimately don't think I could do all the things I'm doing if I didn't start the day doing what I want, basically having my, yeah, setting me up and having my time. But it seems like all that stuff is stuff that you kind of, whether consciously or not, have been thinking about in terms of how to build a really resilient system for yourself. Like that's that's what it sounds like. And I think that's something that all of us sort of solo workers should be thinking about. It's kind of having conversations with ourselves about is this working? Is this not working? Is there a way that this could change? And that's quite hard to do if you're in a tunnel where things are difficult, particularly with Mm. work it's quite hard to kind of shake yourself out of thinking, wow, I'm miserable. I mean, when you're miserable is the worst time to try and start making change. It's the best time because Mm. it will have big outcomes. And it's the worst time from your kind of capacities point of view, right? Mm. (laughs) To try and figure things out. Yeah, and you know what? I really, really want to speak to that in a way that is... I want to be completely honest, right? Because that's where I think the most value comes when we're just honest. I don't want to just sugarcoat it. 
I really think that when you are feeling miserable, as you said, it's the hardest time to make a change. That's the time. You don't want to read about, I don't know, optimize this, or you don't want to hear about better sleep habits or better nutrition or better. You're just like, you know what? Not now. I can't deal with anything else. I've, my energy's mood, my, my energy's low, mood is low. I feel terrible. I don't want it. And I see that in people. They're kind of, they're not, they're not in a place to accept it. They're just like, I don't want to hear it. And I can understand it's a difficult place to be, but that is the most important time, I think. And maybe now is that time for a lot of people in life to really look at your core values. What do you value in your life? Seriously, like serious question. Is it time? Is it money? Is it health? Is it relationships? And it's no one is better than the other. There's no judgment. If your thing is my relationships are more important to me than anything else, make it so. Don't just say it, make it so. What Do your actions actually match that? Because I challenge myself on that a lot, especially, you know, it's a great position to be in, but when new things come up, new opportunities, things that are going to require a lot of my time right now, I have to ask myself, Adrian, do you want more money or do you want more time? Do you want more, I don't know, bigger things, better things, or do you, and really it's so hard. It's easy to say and hard to do. But if someone said to you, do you want to earn 20% less money and have 20% more time? Do you want that? Like, do you want that? What would that look like? What would that allow you to do? How would it change your life? Because actually, ultimately, we're sometimes, you know, we're just told that, you know, if we earn more money, it's going to be better because X, you know, if you have a little bit of a bigger house, if you have a little bit of a better car, if you go on a nicer holiday, if you save a bit more, if your pension's better, who doesn't want to earn more money? You should be, especially I think as freelancers or solo people, it's how you're tracking progress or it's how you're tracking if you're succeeding or improving, if you earned more money than you earned last year. or And if, you know, again, I don't want to, if you're in a situation right now where it's like, you know what, I'm not earning enough money and that is a real struggle, let's be real, it's a pandemic then it's difficult. But if you're in a place where you're like, you know what, I'm just doing more because that's what I think I should be doing because then it'll be better. And then when I've just worked this much, then I'll take some time off or then I'll change my life and then I'll just take Fridays off. And then, 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 then tomorrow will stay tomorrow if you do not make that change. So really just be real and honest with yourself. What do you value most? Because I've had to do that this week. I literally had to do that this week. I was like, do you want more time or do you want more money? And I was like, I want my time. I want it. I need it. It's important. And it's hard to say no to things. Easy to say, hard to do. But yeah, I wanted to be honest about that. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important because, I mean, all of that stuff plays into whether you can feel mentally robust about not just the work that you do, but about your life as a whole. Um, Mm. You you can't expect we can't and I am to, I was entirely guilty of this I mean can still be very much so we we just kind of life just sort of rolls over us doesn't it sometimes and um I don't know that I was very good I'm still learning how to kind of talk to myself about what I want and what things are difficult but also just how to set things up so that um I can tolerate difficult stuff better um, and I've got the the kind of the energy and the robustness to deal with things. One thing that Bear's saying is that now is really hard, right? And there will be people for whom this stuff feels incredibly difficult. Can you mm. speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, this whole, I don't want to say unprecedented, but, you know, it's <laughs> except, right? It is exceptional. It's insane, actually. And I think that we're not you know, we're human, you know, we are human, there's ebbs and flows. And this is, no one could have really even 
prepared us, predicted, you know, it's just something we've never experienced before. So I think it is hard. As you said, it's really difficult. And for some people, maybe this is the time, you know, that this is the time they hear this episode, they hear some of the things that we're talking about and they go, you know what? Yeah, enough's enough. I want to reframe how I'm thinking about that or make a small change or make a big change. But if some people, that might not be the case. You know, it's for some people, it's step by step by step. Others, it's all or nothing. It's an individual thing. But wherever you're at right now, whatever's been going on for you in the last 12 months, accepting and being aware that it is a lot. You know, it really, really is. So, yeah, having self-compassion, being aware that for other people as well, you know, be mindful that they might be saying, everything's fine or their Instagram might be fine or they might come onto a Zoom meeting and do their work. You know, it doesn't mean just because you can show up and do the work doesn't mean that you're actually okay either. So be mindful that other people might not be where you're at. And if you're feeling good and if this is definitely, you know, if this has given you a boost and given you some uplifting vibes, then yeah, I hope, I hope that that's what this conversation can do for people. Also, I think it's something that these conversations and, and you know, I've read a lot of stuff around this topic as well. I think it kind of, it's like a drip feed. It can change how you think over a longer period of time. But, you know, I, I feel as though often we hear messages repeated in different ways and in different places and sometimes they can kind of get through quite slowly so I have certainly seen a kind of set of incremental changes happening in the way that I live I mean if you'd have asked me six or seven years ago if I'd be running three times a week for example I would have said no <laughs> like exactly why would you why would you do that <laughs> but like all, all these things that seem quite kind of difficult or out there Actually, if you sit with them for a while, they become much more tolerable and then appealing, I think. So mm. I think that's another interesting way of thinking about this stuff. It doesn't have mm. to be tomorrow and you don't have to do to do everything at once. Sometimes it can be really small things that can be that can be really helpful and can kind of yeah, just help build your strength. I think that's maybe that's what we should all be thinking about, not about making the, the, maybe that's the terminology we should be using. We shouldn't be thinking uh, I need to make a radical change, but you should just be thinking, what can I do to kind of build myself up? Like, what could mm. I do to sort of just just give myself a little bit more, a little bit more strength, perhaps? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What could make this a little bit better? Not change it completely, mm. but a little bit better. Mm. And yeah, and that open mindedness to, yeah, hearing new ideas, new concepts, new things and just trying it without expectation. You know, I think often I used to be probably, yeah, less so now, but quite skeptical about things and I'd kind of go oh no 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 it's cold water therapy or a new thing I used to yeah. kind of be like mm, show me the data show me the science yeah you know? and actually yeah just being open-minded and just trying things and thinking maybe just don't have an expectation of the outcome mm. you know just just see just go with it go with the flow which again very ironic for me to say that I'm such a planner and doer <laughs> for me to say go with the flow it's like who are you who am I see <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for this. I've loved this conversation. I feel very energised, which is saying something because I've only had about six hours sleep in the last two days. So <laughs> I feel a lot better than I did when we started. So thanks. Even if it doesn't help anyone else, it helped me. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Such a pleasure. I'm not necessarily sure that I had understood the idea of seasons in our lives before talking to Adrienne. I have heard it around but I hadn't really kind of grasped the idea that yeah just like a year and nature seasons life has seasons too so 
Although I feel really energised by listening to Adrienne's ideas, I also think it's important, as she says, to understand that there will be moments, there will be times in our lives where stuff is really difficult and it's hard to make changes. And there will be other times where it feels more straightforward to do so. So wherever you are in your life, in the seasons of your life, don't feel too much pressure to take too much of this on at once. If it works for you, then fantastic. Brilliant. Go for it. Do it run a marathon whatever it might be but if it feels like small incremental changes might be the way forward for you or no changes at all then that's fine I think as solo workers we just have to be as kind and as gentle to ourselves as possible and sometimes that means making big changes and other times that means settling in and making no changes at all If you've liked what you've heard on The Solo Collective, then I would love it if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And do share us with anybody who might benefit from joining us in The Solo Collective. You have been listening to a Chalk and Blade original, The Solo Collective, with me, Rebecca Seal. Produced by Laura Hyde, with support from Fatuma Keira, original music by Dee Plume, and mixed by Alex Portfelix. Chalk and Blade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.